0: Welcome to the Creekwood Church podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a 3-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com/growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy Hello, Creekwood. I am Darren Pedroza, and I am excited to continue our series, The Middle, with you this week. You know, as we think about life transitions and as we journey through them, being in the middle is one of the toughest yet rewarding spots we can be. When we're in the middle, I believe we make some of the most crucial life decisions. And you know what, though, it's also in the middle that we tend to get stuck and get weighted down with things that happen to us. With hurts, where life just might disappoint us. Well, today, I want to talk to you about what I believe is one of the most freeing acts that we can do for ourselves, and that is forgiving others. You know, I'm reminded by something John Maxwell wrote. He says, There's a difference between a predicament and a problem. You can't solve a predicament, it just is, it's the situation you can solve a problem. You know, many times we're stuck because we think we can change what happened to us or we spend too much time wishing we can change what happened to us. But in reality, all we have is the power to do what is in our control and how we respond. When we think about the predicaments in our lives, those are the hurts that come upon us and we can't change that. But when we learn to forgive, now you're solving a problem. You know, unforgiveness can derail you. It's derailed me. Unforgiveness and bitterness, they keep you stuck and unable to grow, but probably the the worst part about it is they keep you from experiencing God to the fullest. However, forgiveness unloads the weight of bitterness and resentment, and it equips us to travel light through our life transitions. You know, I'll be honest with you. Forgiveness isn't natural. It's as natural as me hitting, hitting the uh, golf swing a golf club left-handed. I can barely hit one right-handed little left-handed, but you know what I mean? It's just not natural, but forgiveness is also not something that you can just read about. You have to experience it. You know, I'll tell you, learning to forgive is one of the most powerful life skills that you can have. And parents, I know from experience, I can tell you, aside from from knowing Jesus, the most valuable skill you can teach your kids is learning how to forgive. I know firsthand. That's powerful. Well, you know, let's get into the Word of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're also going to be in Colossians chapter 3. But in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, Jesus tells us, for if you forgive men, when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive you your sins. And then the apostle Paul urges us in Colossians chapter three, verse 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all, these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. You know, let's look together at what forgiveness is. We're also going to look at how do we forgive others, but also why should we forgive others? But you know, first, I want to share with you a powerful story about Joseph. It's found in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And I believe the greatest example of forgiveness we can find is actually in Jesus. But aside from our Lord and Savior and what he did for us on the cross, the story of Joseph provides for us a gutsy and amazing example of forgiveness. You know, I encourage you to take time this week and read the story of Joseph, again, it's in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. It's an amazing story. There's so many nuggets found in, this, in his life that, if applied, can enhance your life. His life played such a pivotal role in the history of Israel. We'll talk about this in a second. But for today, it is amazing to see how he did not let any wrong done to him keep him from fulfilling the purpose God had for him. So let's walk through Joseph's life. You know, we meet Joseph when he's 17 years old. And from the get go, we see that he had a reality show worthy home life. How many of you can relate to that? Where your, your home life is so crazy, so messed up that it belongs in a reality TV show. I mean, in his case, his father played favorites. He favored Joseph so much that his brothers hated him. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 37 verse 4 says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. You know what? Joseph was resented. From early in life, he was resented. How many of you can relate to that? that you are resented simply because of who you are. No rhyme, no reason. You know, what's fascinating here is his siblings, they hated him so much, they wanted to do terrible things to him. As a matter of fact, later on in Genesis chapter 37, it tells us, but they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. And it goes, the story goes on to say, but you know what, they didn't kill him. What they did is they stripped him of his clothes his dad uh, Jacob got him this ornament that this ornamented robe this beautiful robe that his brothers hated they stripped him of the robe they beat him they threw him basically a water well and left him there and not only did they leave him there they sold him into slavery and then they took his clothes they dipped it in goat's blood took it to his father and said, hey, is this your son's robe? And from that point forward, his father thought he was dead. Joseph was abused. Not only was he abused, he was abused by those that should love him. He was abused by those that actually he should trust. I don't know about you, but that is some of the deepest kind of hurt where someone that should love you hurts you. Someone that you should trust destroys you. I've had that happen to me, that people that I should count on to love me hurt me. How many of you has happened to you? Family members, close friends. Joseph was resented and he was abused. You know, Joseph, the story goes on to say it's an amazing story. He was sold into slavery by, into this group called the Midianites, and they, they took him to Egypt. And when we went to Egypt, he was bought as a slave by a gentleman named Potiphar. And Potiphar was one of the uh, government officials under the king who was called Pharaoh. Well, Potiphar bought Joseph, and he really liked Joseph. Joseph flourished under Potiphar, and Potiphar flourished while Joseph was taking care of his house. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything because he trusted him so much. But you know, while Joseph was at his workplace, people attacked him and they lied about him. As a matter of fact, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. Genesis chapter 39 verse 12 tells us, She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And then it goes on to say that she plotted now to falsely accuse him of this harassment. And he, she says, it says that she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told this story. She's talking to Potiphar, her husband, Joseph's master, that Hebrew slave, Joseph, that you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Wow. Joseph was falsely accused. Again, I can relate to this. How many of you have been falsely accused in your workplace? How many of you have have endured lies, have endured these false accusations and hurtful things that people say? Joseph experienced that. He was resented for who he was by his brothers. He was abused by his family, whom he should should love and trust. And now he's in his workplace. He's falsely accused. Trial and pain and pain after pain. Well, it goes on because not only was he falsely accused, he was unjustly punished. He wrongfully lost his job. Potiphar threw him in prison. He threw him in prison where the king's prisoners were held that must have been humiliating. How many of you have been humiliated for something you didn't do at no fault of your own? Somebody made a decision and you were humiliated. That's what Joseph felt. Joseph was humiliated and now he's in prison. But you know what? While he was in prison, he still kept going. And while he was in prison, he actually flourished, right? The, the, the prison guard actually gave Joseph responsibilities of other prisoners and of duties there. And Joseph made some meaningful relationships in prison. One of those was with a gentleman called the cupbearer. Cupbearer was in prison for something he had done that made Pharaoh upset. Well, he had a dream and his dream was, he was troubled, didn't know what it meant. Well, Joseph was able to interpret the dream for the cupbearer. And what the dream said was, in three days, Mr. Cupbearer, you're going to be set free. And Joseph told the cupbearer, please remember me. Don't forget about me and tell Pharaoh I'm in here and I did nothing wrong so I should be freed. And the cupbearer promised him, said, I will tell Pharaoh about you. I promise I will get you out. Well, you know what happened? The cupbearer got out. Genesis chapter 40 tells us the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Joseph was forgotten. People or a person made a promise to him and did not come through on their word. Joseph was betrayed. How many of you where were you were betrayed, you counted on somebody. You trusted them. They gave you their word. They made you a promise, but the promise was broken. That happens all too much time after time after time. Joseph was betrayed. Joseph was resented. He was abused. He was falsely accused. He was humiliated. And now he's betrayed. Well, you know what? The story goes on, a fascinating story. Two years go by, two years. And the cupbearer remembers. And Joseph comes out of prison because Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted. So Joseph goes, he interprets the dream. and, And Pharaoh ends up putting Joseph in charge of Egypt. He's second in command of Pharaoh. He is flourishing. Famine hits the land. And what happens? Joseph's brothers have to come to Joseph to get food in the famine. What a fascinating story, and in this time, there's this whole fascinating exchange with them. But what's really, really interesting to me is Joseph treated them kindly. He messed with them a little bit, don't get me wrong, but he treated them kindly. But when when their father died, they were worried. And what they said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, they said, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, They said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Wow. When Joseph was put in a position of power, his brothers still tried to manipulate the situation and assume the worst in him. Joseph was feared and misunderstood. Wow. What a series of events in one life. Resentment. He was abused. He was falsely accused. He was humiliated. He was betrayed, and he was feared and misunderstood. Talk about a series of middles to go through. But in the end, Joseph forgave those that caused all the pain that he experienced. Genesis chapter 50 verse 19 is one of the most powerful conclusions in a story that you're going to find. It says, but Joseph said to them, his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. Joseph traveled light. Joseph did not let himself get weighted down with bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. Wow. With Joseph's example as our backdrop, Let's look at what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is releasing control of the final outcome to God for offenses done to me. That's exactly what Joseph did. He answered his brothers by saying, am I in the place of God? In other words, that's his way of saying, am I the one that is going to judge the final outcome? No, I'm releasing that final outcome judgment to God and I'm forgiving you. Forgiveness, releasing control of the final outcome to God for offenses done to me. Said differently, giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. You know, forgiveness is not giving someone what they deserve, it's giving them what they need. C.S. Lewis has a quote that says, to be Christian, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. You know, before we go on about forgiveness, what forgiveness is, I think it's important that we level set on a couple of things. Let's just talk for a second about what forgiveness is not. I think this is very important. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. I want to be very clear about that. Forgiveness is not acting like nothing ever happened, and it's not minimizing the seriousness of it it's not minimizing the impact it had on you or had on me it's not that forgiveness is not reconciliation for reconciliation requires two parties to come together and make things right forgiveness is a one man game it is you choosing to forgive reconciliation comes after forgiveness forgiveness is not about doing what's fair forgiveness is about what's doing what's healthy what's right And what's beneficial. Forgiveness is not about doing what's fair. And forgiveness, this is a big one for me. Forgiveness is not trust. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean trust is restored. As a matter of fact, forgiveness is given freely, but trust is earned. So just because you forgive somebody does not mean trust is restored. Trust is restored over time. You know, the other thing I think we need to understand is a negative side effect of, of, of lack of forgiveness. A lack of forgiveness breaks our fellowship with God. Unforgiveness destroys us, not the other person. Can you imagine, can you imagine drinking poison and thinking, I'm gonna drink poison and thinking somebody else is gonna be hurt by it. No, you're drinking it yourself. No one else is gonna be hurt by it. That's what unforgiveness does to us. You know, as, you, as we read the story of Joseph, you would find as you go through and read through every middle that he faced in his transitions, from his family to slavery, from slavery to prison, from prison to authority, from authority to a family reunion, the Bible tells us that God was with him. He prospered him, he showed him kindness and granted him favor in every middle that Joseph was in. This would not be possible for Joseph if he held on to bitterness and grudges forgiveness is releasing control of the punishment or final outcome to God for offenses done to me so how do we release control how do we do this well let's talk about that there's there's three things I want us to know about forgiving number one is we are told to pray for those that hurt you now remember I already told you forgiveness is not natural Again, it's as natural as me who's right-handed to swing a left-handed golf club. It just doesn't feel right. But you know what? With forgiveness, you just have to do it. And you have to experience it, to experience the freeness of it. But the first thing is pray for those that hurt you. In Matthew chapter five, verses forty-three through forty four, the Bible tells us, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Those are the words of Jesus telling us. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It is impossible. I want you to put this to the test. It is impossible to hate someone when you pray for them. It's impossible. Don't wait until you feel like praying for those who persecute you. Just pray for them. It'll soften your heart. Craig Rochelle says it this way, your prayer may or may not change others, but it always changes you. The second thing, bless those that hurt you. Bless means to speak well of. This is a tough one. How do you speak well of people that hurt you? Don't let a curse come out of your mouth about them or over them. In Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 28, again, Jesus tells us, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And Romans twelve fourteen tells us, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. third thing is do good to those that hurt you do good to those that hurt you figure out a way to do something for them romans chapter 12 verse 17 through 21 says do not repay anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone do not take revenge my friends but leave room for god's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Never be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Look, God has given us what we don't deserve and could not earn. And that is the same way that we forgive those that hurt us. Andy Stanley says in the shadow of my hurt forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy but in the shadow of the cross forgiveness is merely a gift from one deserving soul from one undeserving soul to another what a tremendous example on forgiveness we learned from Joseph forgiveness releasing control of the final outcome to God for offenses done to me and don't ever be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good You know, I want to leave you with this. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. Holding a grudge does not make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving does not make you weak. It sets you free. Forgiveness is bondage. uh, Unforgiveness is bondage. And forgiveness frees us from bitterness and releases the offender to God. You know, the last thing that I just feel like you need to know is that in this life, we can talk about being obedient to God. We can talk about following his word, but I also want to remind you that forgiveness is eternity focused. Our goal and our reward is in heaven. We are not looking for temporary rewards and the Bible tells us in second Corinthians chapter four, you know, that our light momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Revenge may bring temporary satisfaction, but forgiveness brings eternal rewards. There is no pain too great for God to heal. There are many situations that seem like they may warrant revenge, but how awesome would it be for those same situations to be better used as opportunities for forgiveness? Forgiven people forgive people. So I ask you today, What's holding you back from forgiving others? Don't let forgiveness, bitterness, and resentment weigh you down. Take action today to forgive others. Release control to God and experience his fullness as you transition through the middle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to just recognize right now just how awesome you are. And how awesome your word and how awesome, God, your presence and your spirit are. Father, I also want to acknowledge how unnatural forgiveness feels to us, Father. But I also, God, want to just declare in the life of me, in the life of Creekwood Church, God, that we want to release control of any final outcome of offenses done to us to you. Father, I just ask right now. For my brothers and sisters that may be struggling with letting go of control and struggling with, with choosing to forgive, God, and I pray that your power through your Holy Spirit minister to them today. Father, I pray that through your presence, God, we experience a full transition through our middle into an outcome that glorifies you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.